right. We are so glad you guys are with us this morning. We're going to invite you to stand up and, uh, and join us in some time of worship. I don't know about you, but, uh, uh I don't know. I, I think there's times when I just need to be reminded. I need to be here. I need to be reminded of God's goodness and his sovereignty and his work and his power and his presence and his love. And so this, this, this set today is going to kind of focus in on, on some of that kind of stuff and just remind us um, of his goodness, his power, his presence with us. When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know well, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love when my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love shame no longer has a place to hide and I am not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my path behind I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love And my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love And my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love The power that can break off every chain And the power that can empty out a grave And this resurrection power that can save There's power in your name Power in your name And the power that can break off every chain the power that can empty out a grave And the resurrection power that can save Power in your name Power in your name My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love And my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Say that again. My fear doesn't stand a chance. And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love.
next song is one we haven't done in quite a while, but it's called Great I Am. And it's just a reminder. Uh, it comes from a passage in the Old Testament. It's kind of a reminder. It's a way that God's saying, uh, I am that I am. He's saying, I am everything, right? I'm, I am healer and I'm provider and I'm sustainer. I'm the God that's close to you. And yet that's at the very same time, a God who made the heavens, who made everything that is. He's lacking nothing. He's good. He's present. He's close. And uh, he's here with us this morning. And so let's just kind of turn our eyes towards him and worship him this morning. Let's sing this together. I want to be close. I want to be close, close to your side. So heaven is real and death is a lie. I want to hear voices of angels above singing as one. Hallelujah, holy, holy, God Almighty, the great I am. God Almighty, great I am. I want to be near. I want to be near, near to your heart. Loving the world, but hating the dark. I want to see dry bones living again. Singing as one, Hallelujah, Holy, Holy, God Almighty, Great I Am. Who is worthy? None beside Thee, God Almighty, Great I Am. Mountain shake. The mountains shake before you, the demons run and flee. At the mention of your name, King of Majesty, there is no power in hell, nor any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am, the great I am, the great I am. shake before you the demons run and flee at the mention of your name king of majesty there is no power in hell nor in 
saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Kind of open our eyes, fill us, draw us close, and uh, teach us to keep in step with you. So let's just kind of sing this together. There's nothing worth more that can never come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In Your presence. Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts belong for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Nothing worth more. Sing it again. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Well, I've tasted and seen of the sweetest love. When my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Sing it together. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come find this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. 
aware of your presence. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your pray that you would just fill this place, that we could uh, see you and know you. We would stop, not just be content to, to read about you or to talk about you, but let us see you and know you. Let us experience you today. God, we open our hearts to you. We just pray that you'd come close to us, God, that we would know you. Would you minister in ways that only you can? Would you, I don't know, speak and lead and direct? Show your power and your glory. We need you. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and grab a seat? All right. Um, just want to say a special welcome to those of you watching online. Go ahead and you guys can check in on the app. Just let us know you're here. Or there may be a communication card next to you. You can fill that out as well. Um, let us know if there's anything we can be praying for you or if you just want to have coffee with Russ. Or if you're feeling called to serve here at church, you can mark that on there as well. Um, just a few announcements. Um, today we are doing our Compassion's Fun Drive again. Um, if it's just a special offering we do on top of our normal tithing just to help out those that are having financial needs in the church and outside. Um, those envelopes are on the back, and there's a box you can drop it in. Um, and also, today we're doing Deck the Halls at Ignite. So if you're able to, after church, stick around, help us decorate for Christmas. It's a good time. It's fun. There's a lot of trees, and maybe we'll play some Christmas music in case you haven't heard any yet. But, yeah, that's about it. Let's just... Get ready to hear the Holy Spirit.
Is it on? Hey, all right. Well, good morning again, Ignite. Uh, glad you guys are here. We are on part seven of an eight-week series that we're doing uh, called Ghosted, Experiencing the Power of the Spirit uh, through the Book of Acts. And so for the last seven weeks, we've been kind of stretched and we've been uh, kind of c- considering and, and being challenged to kind of open ourselves up to the working, to the power, to the person of the Holy Spirit and His leadership in our lives. The Holy Spirit is something we've said in the American church we don't talk that much about. He's uh, there's a book that's out that was written I think it's by Francis Chan or something it's called it's called Forgotten God and it's on the Holy Spirit and I'm like it's it's true. It's kind of the we we talk about the Father and we like to talk about we talk about Jesus in the church and uh and that but the Holy Spirit we're like eh, not so much. We kind of tend to shy away uh, from him and so we're spending some time uh kind of kind of opening up uh, uh God's word and reading through the book of Acts and, and we are being faced with a God that speaks and a God that heals and a God that is at work in his people and a God that, that is at work in his church moving his mission forward. We talked about the first week, we talked about Acts 1-8 is sort of the theme verse for the entire book. And it says, but you will, he's talking to Jesus followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we said that is the mission to which the church is called. It's, it's what we read throughout the rest of the entire book of Acts, all 28 chapters. We read about the Holy Spirit coming on them and receiving power and that the church goes, sometimes even reluctantly, goes and takes the message about Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. And, and it's the, the expansion of the gospel, the expansion of the church, of seeing more and more and more lives and eternities transformed um, by Jesus. So cool stuff. Uh, today we are going to take a look at kind of a high-level summary of um, uh, several chapters in Acts. It's called Paul's Second Missionary Journey. And uh, and then we'll wrap up next week with his third, his third missionary journey and the rest of the book. And so today I want to look at the big picture of Acts 15, uh, kind of through 18, 1536 through 1822. We won't read all of it. I'll summarize large portions of it. But I want us to look at and consider the unpredictable leadership or the unpredictable working of the Holy Spirit. And here's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at and why uh, I kind of put it that way, what I'm talking about. I think far too often in the in the American church, we as Christians, we, we like to talk about and say, oh, well, I think God told me to do this or, you know, I prayed about it or whatever else. And when we say that the Lord is speaking to us, what we really mean is this is what I want. <laughs> okay. And so let me give you some examples. I, I met with a friend of mine, um, another uh, partner in ministry. He's a great guy, godly man. Um, and we get together for coaching and sharpening of each other and, and that kind of thing. I don't know, a couple times a year or something. And so I got together with him about a month or two ago and we were, we were talking and just kind of sharing life. We were talking about, I mean, the challenges of leading in a COVID era, right? Of kind of leading the church and trying to figure out how do you keep moving forward when all this stuff is going on in our world. And he's talking about some of the challenges on top of that. He'd had some, uh, pretty, um, hard, uh, conflict in the church. He'd gotten kind of uh, beat up a little bit in the midst of that, and he was just feeling exhausted and tired. And, and in the midst of that, he'd gotten contacted by a larger church uh, in a warmer climate, right? And, and, he, and he was like, you know what, Russ? He goes, sometimes I just think, maybe God wants me in, you know, to go to an easier church in a warmer, uh, you know, warmer destination kind of thing. And I looked at him and I kind of gave him the, the look, right? I kind of gave him like, mm-hmm. And, and I, and I kind of said, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, dude, I was like, 
you and I both know that's not how Christ followers make decisions like that. I was like, I have never moved once uh, for that kind of reason in either of you. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, it was kind of like one of those, like, like yeah, I know. And so we kind of we laughed about it and went on. But I'll, I'll tell you what, you would be amazed. As a pastor, you'd be amazed at how often I hear this thing, and it's for real. People really think, no, no, God wants me to move to a warmer climate. That's, I mean, you're like, okay. Like, is it just because you like, you know, Florida, you like the beach, or you like, you know, you like the mountains, or you like whatever. But, but people are like, no, no, God, I, I think God's leading me to go do this. God's, but what they really mean is they mean, no, that's kind of what I want. You know, it's it's interesting to to hear how often people will say things like that. Like, if you were to kind of do a, an across the board kind of summary, you'd, you'd come to the conclusion that God always wants us to make more money. God always wants us right to have easier lives, to work less hours, to retire early, to you know you know all this kind of stuff. Live in dust. You know, Florida would break off from the weight of the entire population living. Like you like you kind of step back. And you're like, is that really what we see? Is that really what we see when we think of the Holy Spirit leading people? Is it all about me is it all about what I want and what's easiest and best and just comfy kind of cozy things for me. Is that what is that really what we're talking about? Or does the Holy Spirit have other agendas? Right? When we read through the book of Acts, I think there's no way I, I think we are forced to step back and say, you know what? If we're being honest, most of the time when we're talking about God speaking to me, that's really about me. Because when when God speaks, right, when the Holy Spirit speaks, most of the time, he steps us outside, way outside of our comfort zones into the realm of like, you know that, that phrase, like God will never give you more than you can handle, right? That's total baloney. You read through the book of Acts, God gave them more than they could handle almost every day, right? I mean, and then, and then showed his power and his, right, his work in them. But God, the Holy Spirit leads us outside of our comfort zones and then infuses us with his power and says man let's let's go for a ride and he sh- and he does it in a way that moves his kingdom forward his agenda forward his plans purpose and, and purposes forward not our own you hardly ever see uh things that are all about my comfort and my desire and my will you almost always see god's kingdom and god's plans and god's will and god's glory Right, that's what we see. And so that's what I want us to kind of lean into and talk about and take a look at today. Because, um, because man, you, you start, I'll give you a, a quick heads up of what's coming. Because when we start reading through this, we're not going to see what's safest and easiest and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes we don't even see, think, we see things that don't even seem to make sense. But it's clearly the leading in the direction of the Holy Spirit. As we read through Acts, we see things like that the Holy Spirit specifically leads people on paths that lead to prison, the paths to lead that lead to persecution. That sometimes you see uh, Him leading in paths that, that have explosive sort of growth and like glorious moments where where uh, you know everybody's jaw is on the ground over what God has done. Like we see that in Acts two when we talked about uh, you know the the Pentecost, the coming of the Spirit, and three thousand people come to Christ in one day. You know it's like a jaw dropping sort of moment. But as we'll see in a little bit, we'll also see moments when there's barely any fruit. Sometimes none at all. And it's clearly, it's still, it's still the clear leading of the Holy Spirit. God is moving His kingdom, His purposes forward, sometimes in ways that don't make very much sense at all. But the end result is glory, glory given to God, is His kingdom and His purposes prevailing. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, right? I, 
Don't get me wrong, of course. I still believe I'm, I'm, it's not all like terrible either. I still think this is the best way to live, right? I believe that at the core of my being that this is better, that living in step with the Spirit, it's worth it, and it's better than anything else this world has to offer. But it will not always line up in ways that are consistent with a path of least resistance or consistent with what I think looks good to me at that particular moment. Anyway, we're going to start out Acts 15, 36. I'm going to walk through it pretty quickly. Uh, I, we don't have time to read all of it, so I'll summarize big chunks. But let me just kind of, we're, we're going to be looking at the whole, how the Holy Spirit is working and leading uh, Paul on his second missionary journey. Pull up a map. I've got a huge map here. The, the purple one that you see up at the top here, it goes uh, from Antioch up through Cilicia to Derby. Uh, it goes all the way around uh, Macedonia and Greece and uh, back over here to Jerusalem and up. So the purple and the red or purple and the pink or whatever that is, uh, is, is Paul's second missionary journey. And that's what we're going to be hitting today in Acts 15. It's a two to 3,000 mile journey. Uh, it took, it took him about three years. Uh, about half of it is by sea, and the other half, about almost 1,500 miles, was by foot. He hoofed it, almost all of it. Can you imagine? That's a few steps, right? That's a, that is crazy. So that is the journey that we're going to be talking about. We'll, we'll see uh, some of those. We'll, we'll hear all those places as we kind of read through the story. Acts 15, starting with verse 36, is the beginning. It says this. So sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all, those, in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Go back to the map, if you would, one more time. Yeah, so uh, the blue with the yellow is their first journey, right? They sailed to Cyprus and then up around a derby and then back back home to Antioch. That was their first journey. That had happened a few years before this. This is what we read about last week. We talked about last week when Paul was sharing the gospel, right? There was there was uh, uh, the the word of God was proclaimed, right? There was there was power that was seen in the kingdom of God. Uh, took ground, right? We saw churches sprung up in all those kind of cities and all those locations where believers were. Now, we think churches, we think a building, we think a room like this or bigger with, with hundreds and thousands of, of, of people that gather together. That is not what happened. Most of these churches were house churches. They were more like a dozen or two dozen or sometimes maybe up to 50 or 100 people. It was, they were smaller churches that met in people's homes typically. And so uh, they... The, the first trip was a whirlwind sort of trip. He went through, he shared the gospel, he stayed for a week or two, um, and then on the way back, he appointed elders, which is what he did last week, right? So like it had only been maybe a year or something that they'd been believers. He, they lay hands on them, they pray for them, and those people are now in charge of these house churches all around the region. So they fast forward a couple years. And like we said, Paul's like, you know, I have this nudge that we need to go back and strengthen those churches and help out those poor leaders that had uh, not a lot of formal training, but a lot of training and filling with the Holy Spirit. And so he's like, we're going to go back, we're going to encourage, we're going to share the word of God with them, uh, and we're going to help see more and more people come to know Jesus. So that's kind of what's going on here. Only this time, uh, there's a little bit of a split uh, between uh, Paul and Barnabas. They have a difference of opinion about who they should take with them. And so they end up actually splitting up and going in different directions. But of course, God ends up using that too. He's he's behind everything in this. And so Saul, uh, or Paul, I should say, ends up choosing Silas. And they go through Syria and Cilicia uh, into Galatia, which is where they pick up and meet a young man by the name of Timothy, who you might remember, uh, he has a, there's a couple of books later in the Bible that are written from Paul to Timothy. He's, he ends up becoming kind of an apprentice of Paul's, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, 
And so, yeah, they take off in one direction. Meanwhile, Barnabas chooses John Mark, and they take off for Cyprus. Both of them have the same mission. They're going to strengthen the churches as well as to deliver kind of a message. There have been some question about, uh, you know, it, are we really free to, to follow Jesus? And to, are we saved? Do we come back home? Are our sins forgiven? Do we come back in relationship with God? purely because of God's grace and what's been done for us through Christ? Or do we still have to follow the rules from the Old Testament, right? There had been some, some Jewish people that kind of pushed back. And so the, the, the uh, elders and the leaders in Jerusalem had sent a letter back saying, no, it's, it's, we are saved by grace through faith, right? We are justified by Jesus Christ and him alone. And so they're taking this letter back around. And that's where we're going to pick it up. Acts 16, then starting with verse 4, says this. It says, as they travel from town to town, as... as uh, well, was all of them travel from town to town. They delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem uh, for the people to obey. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers. And so you can see what's happening, right? They're sharing the gospel. They're bringing clarity. They're encouraging the churches and more and more people are coming to know Jesus. The church is being strengthened and, and their faith is growing and, uh, and the kingdom of God is spreading out and moving forward. Let's go, go on. Verse 6 says this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having, listen to this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit uh, from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And so they passed by Mysia uh, and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, uh, we got up at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now here's where it starts to get interesting, and this is kind of what I want us to focus in on a little bit today. Because... Um, what we see in the book of Acts is we see a spirit that specifically directs individuals. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, broad strokes saying, like, well, do things that are biblical, right? Well, yeah, but, like, l l let's be honest here. Does, is it biblical? Is it in line with the mission of Jesus for Paul to go and share the gospel in Asia? Does that line up? What do you think? Yes, it's, of course it's biblical. It, is it strategic? Maybe. Does it line up with the calling and the commission that Jesus had given them? Absolutely it does. And yet the Holy Spirit specifically is directing them to places, right? He's saying no to some places. And so, uh, yeah, you can see that they end up missing all the cities in Asia and kind of keep going. But it, it, the Holy Spirit has a plan, and he is leading and directing individuals specifically into that plan in ways that sometimes don't even make sense, right? It's, it's, it, you know, you're like, but God, you want people in Asia to come to know Christ, right? You want, I mean, you want to see your kingdom come there, right? And he says, yes, but, but keep going. I've got different plans for you now. The reason I say that is I think sometimes we tend to, th to live our lives anyway, and, and I think even sometimes think this kind of thought that we're like, you know what? I mean, yes, God wants us to live biblical lives. He wants me to be a good person, right? He doesn't want me to kill people. He doesn't want me to whatever. But within the realm of that, we kind of think, God doesn't really care what I do. It doesn't matter where I live, the kind of house I own or rent. It doesn't matter the kind of car I drive. It doesn't matter where I do my grocery shopping. It doesn't matter. That's just, you know, God gave me a brain, so I'm just going to live my life that way. And, you know, what I want you to see here is, I mean, Yes, God gave you a brain, but he has specific plans for you. 
And I don't know about, but I don't want to miss him, right? Like, because when, when his people fill with his spirit, follow his leadership and direction, and they obey when the spirit prompts them, we see God's kingdom come in amazing sort of ways. We see his power and his purposes prevail. We see God glorified and the mission of the church and the mission of Jesus moving forward and sweeping through the region in unbelievable ways. You, you kind of hear what I'm saying? It's not just a general plan like okay god wants to live you to live a life that's that's good and glorifies him and is honoring towards him yes but he has a he has a a ride for you right if if you will if you will live your life in step with the spirit in tune filled with the spirit listening to the promptings and the whispers of the spirit he's going to take you on a journey like you can't believe and i don't want you i don't want me i don't want us to miss out on what god has for it's not going to be a safe little comfortable sort of journey but it will be better by far than anything you and i can imagine you with me following jesus being led by the spirit in his power in his wisdom right god will move his mission forward. he'll bring his kingdom forward as a result what if i like i'm asking these questions a lot throughout the book of acts but what if God does have specific plans for you. What if it does matter where you live? What if it does matter where you shop? What if, what if God has plans for you to go to the doctor or Walmart or the grocery store that have nothing to do with your health or what you need? What if he has plans for you to, to meet somebody there and to pray for them or to encourage them or to point them to Jesus? What if he has plans for you in your neighborhood that are more than just whatever's comfortable and easy. What if he has plans that he wants to use you to impact people's lives and eternities to point them back home to Jesus? What if he wants to use you to bring a little micro church or a mini church to your neighborhood, right? That you would see uh, pe- people one at one household at a time come to know Jesus. What if he wants to use you to help move his kingdom forward to make a difference in people who are living in poverty? Or whatever, right? Anything else? The question I, I, I kept asking myself this week, and, I, and we'll get to it again, but is like, man, am I living in step with the Spirit like that? Am I, am I listening? Am I praying? Am I seeking His will and His plans in His way like that? That He could direct me or interrupt my plans or my day? That He would lead me and guide me even to the point of like where I'm, you know, the, the errands that I'm running, that I would be so in tune with Him. That, I, that we could see his kingdom come and his will be done even at Walmart or even at Aldi's or whatever, right? I mean, like that kind of a thing. There's a true story. I've, I've shared this before. It's, it's one that I've, I, I heard a number of years ago, and I just I always think of it with stuff like this. But I remember hearing about a young man. His name was Sam, that uh, newer believer, and he had been at a Bible study at his church, and they'd been talking about um, about how, you know, the— Basically, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the, the fact that he still speaks and he still leads and he still guides. And, and this young man uh, came out of that Bible study that night and he prayed. He got in his car and he prayed. He said, man, I want to know you like that, God. I want to I hear your voice. I want to be led and directed. And he was convinced that God was going to speak. And so he starts up the car. He starts driving home. He's like, good talk, God, right? He gets in his car, starts heading home. And all of a sudden, he just had this weird kind of nudge in his gut and he's like ah, so stupid like i need to stop and buy a gallon of milk the weirdest part is that he's lactose intolerant so he's like i don't actually drink milk but uh, so but he's like he couldn't get it out of his head and so he's like okay fine so he stopped at a gas station he picks up a gallon of milk he puts it in his car he's like 
what am I gonna, I mean, what am I supposed to do now? So he starts driving home again, and, uh, and on the way, he, uh, again, almost unexplainably, he's like, you know, I feel like I should turn here. And so he takes a right turn uh, away from the route to his house. He starts driving and driving and driving, and all of a sudden he's going into uh, kind of one of the worst neighborhoods in town. And uh, he feels like he should turn again, and so he turns, and, uh, and, and in a way that's just unexplainable, he's like, I, he pulls up and he stops in front of this house. And at that moment, he's thinking, I have lost my stinking mind, right? <laughs> what is, I'm an idiot. What is going on? This is the stupidest thing. And at that moment, he felt like he heard a voice, not audible, but in his soul saying, I want you to take that gallon of milk up to that house, knock on the door for my people have need of it. And again, he's talking to himself and to the Lord all the way up, right? The sidewalk, he's like, okay, God, but like, they're going to think I'm totally nuts. And so he takes us up. Before he even gets to the door, the door opens. And uh, and uh, there's a guy on the front porch said, who are you? <laughs> like, what are you doing here? And the guy, uh, Sam, ends up saying, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like God wants me to give you this gallon of milk here. You know, this is for you from God, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and he kind of starts laughing a little bit. And the guy, uh, the guy says, that doesn't sound crazy at all. He said, actually, my wife and I prayed about an hour ago that God would send, that God would provide milk. We haven't had any for a couple of days and our kids, uh, really need it. And so, uh, Sam went back, got in his car and went home praising and thanking God, uh, that he'd followed that prompting, that he had obeyed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I, I share that story because I love it, right? I mean, I'm like, yes, but, but I just, I just find myself saying, what if God is still speaking and directing specifically? Yes, God, does God want us to take care of poor people? Sure. Does God want us to love all people and forgive all people? Sure. But, what if God has specific plans for you, right? That he's saying, he's saying, Alicia, I know this person at work is driving you crazy, but I have a specific plan for you to go and love them or give something to them or serve them. And she's like, oh, don't point me out. I'm sorry. But, but right, like, what if, what if God is still speaking like that? And he says, Kevin, I have plans for you. Would you follow? Would you obey? What if the living God, the Holy Spirit is still empowering people, filling them with his purpose, and then speaking and directing and using them in ways that move his kingdom forward? What if it's true? Because it is. Because he is, right? He's still working. The question is, are we listening? Are we open? Are we willing to be the fool, potentially, for the sake of Christ? Are we willing to follow and say, God, I'm yours, I'm in. If I look like an idiot, then I do. But bring your kingdom through me. I'm going to step out. Again, is it important to make sure it lines up through the grid of Scripture? We're not going to do, God's not going to prompt us to go out and do something, right, sinful, anything ever, right? But, but, but what if we just said, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to step up. I'm going to, I'm going to follow Tozer. Uh, I shared this quote maybe four or five weeks ago, but Tozer says, most Christians don't hear God's voice because they've already decided that we're not going to obey. We're not going to do whatever he tells us to. So what if ahead of time we said, God, I know this is risky, <laughs> but with your help, would you strengthen me? Would you fill me with your spirit? And with your help, I want to follow and obey. Where you lead, I'll go. What you tell me to do, again, with your help, with your power, with your spirit living in me, I want to follow. Imagine what God would do. Well, we're going to see more of that as we continue. Acts 16, we'll keep going, 13 through 15. I got to 
keep on task here, but it says this. This is what happens next. On the Sabbath, we went outside. Oh, this is great, by the way. <laughs> okay. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate uh, to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak with the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened up her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to, into her home. And if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Ah, oh, I love this. And what I love about it is, I mean, you know, Paul and his companions, they expected to go and find a place of rest and a place of prayer. Can I translate that into 21st century vernacular? What they expected to find was me time, right? <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. We've been working hard. We are going to go. We're going to chill. We'll, yes, we'll spend time with the Lord, but we're going to rest. We're going to have fun. We'll eat. We're, it's going to be great. And yet, the Holy Spirit interrupted. They hijacked. The Holy Spirit hijacked their me time, right? Their, their refresh, their recharge time, and said, you know what? I have plans for you. He redirected their the, the plans that they had for the purpose of, of seeing one woman come to know Christ in her family. One family come to know Christ. And I just, again, just found myself saying, man, am I willing, are we willing to interrupt our plans, to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit? Am, am I willing to interrupt me time or chill time or vegan time or whatever we call it, right? Are we willing to let the Holy Spirit bust in so that the kingdom of God can move forward so that maybe just one family, maybe just one person can come to know Jesus, can, one person can, can see and experience his power and his love, one person can be ministered to, one person can be served, one person. Are we willing to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit in whatever's going on in our lives? If so, man, good stuff is happening. All right, so uh, again, the Holy Spirit, he's speaking, he's leading, he's opening doors, he's opening hearts, like in this case. We're going to keep reading uh, as you move forward. Then Paul and Silas, uh, they're uh, at another time, they're going to a place of prayer, and they, they come across this woman. Uh, she's a female servant or a female slave back in that day. She was possessed by a demon, by a spirit that allowed her to predict the future. And, uh, and she made her masters, quote unquote, a lot of money by doing that. And so she starts following Paul around and, and, and this is, she starts yelling this like over and over and over. She said, these men are servants of the most high God and they're telling you how to be saved. So every time they go someplace and they're sharing the message, they're sharing the gospel, she's in the background yelling that. And what, what's entertaining about this is Paul, sort of out of exasperation, ends up casting the demon out of her, which I think is funny. God will use us in spite of our motivations, right? But he, he casts this demon out of her, and this woman, for the first time, is set free. It's a good thing, Right? Right? Yes, it's a good thing. Until uh, her owners, quote, quote, the, the, the people that she works for, uh, discover that she has no longer has the ability to make money for them by, uh, by predicting the future. And, uh, so they get ticked. They get real ticked. Again, they stir up trouble. And anytime they, anytime in the book of Acts, anytime even in our world, you see, uh, someone stirring up trouble, like we talked about last week, who's behind it? 
the enemy, right? And so we're going to pick up the story there. They stir up, they stir up trouble. They drag off Paul and Silas. They throw them in jail uh, because they set some woman free <laughs> from from a demon. So we're going to pick up the story there. Acts sixteen twenty three. It says after they had been severely flogged, which you don't even want to know what that means. Right? I mean, severely flogged. These guys are in terrible shape. Probably have their entrails like exposed in their back. I mean, not good. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them on the inner cell, and he fastened their feet into stocks. I mean, can you imagine? Not good. About midnight, and I want you to listen to this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were what? They were praying, and they were singing hymns to God. Can I just say, wow, <laughs> right? What, what is it that you think empowered these guys after they had been severe? If the Bible, I mean, when, when the Bible says flogged, that's a big deal. When it says severely flogged, you don't, I mean, again, you don't even want to know, right? I mean, it's horrible pain, uh, left them in really bad shape. Their, their feet are locked open into stocks. I mean, it'd be ridiculous, right? I mean, kind of thing. They're sitting there, it's midnight, and what are they doing? They're praising God. They're singing hymns to God. We, we've talked about this several times, but what would, what in the world would empower ordinary Christ followers, ordinary people like you and me who have gone through a horrific ordeal, what would empower them to be sitting there praying and singing praises to God? Two things in the book of Acts, right? There's two things, and you see it over and over and over again. Number one, they were absolutely convinced that Jesus was alive. And I'll tell you what, that brings hope to the darkest season in our lives. And we're like, you know what, no matter what, God is able to redeem. He's able to heal. He's able to, they're like, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us? We're going to go get to be with God in his joy, in his life forever. It's going to be better than anything that's going on down here. So they're convinced that Jesus is alive and they're filled with power from on high. Right? They're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. As a result, they are able to praise. They're able to draw near to God even in horrific sort of circumstances. They're convinced that God is with them, that he has not abandoned them. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They're singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Yeah, I bet they were. They're like, what is going on? Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And once all the prison, all at once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he assumed everybody had escaped. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer uh, had the lights, uh, called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They share the gospel with them. And they all come to Christ. You go to the last uh, the verse in that, in that section. It says, as the jailer brought these guys into, into his house, he set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Isn't that great? 
he was filled with joy. I love this story, right? God, I mean, I, the, the progression is unreal, right? God puts them in jail, even allows for them to be beaten and whipped, and then he busts them out but says, you know what, I want you to stay there. <laughs> I'm not quite done yet. Before you flee for your lives, before you run out of, he says, stay put. He does all the, he orchestrates this whole thing so that one jailer and his family can find a new life in Christ and come, come to know the joy of knowing and following and serving Jesus. Man, I wonder if we'd be willing to suffer so that others can know Christ. I wonder if we would be willing to, to stay in a, in a bad situation sometimes so that others could know Christ, so that God's kingdom could come in power in our area in our lifetimes. There is no telling what God will do through men and women who are filled with his spirit, who are absolutely convinced that Jesus is alive and who are willing to follow and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Can you do that today? Can he still work? Can he still move? Can he still save jailers? Can he still shake the chains off of people and set us free? Absolutely. If we'll follow and obey. I'm going to hit the next part quickly. Uh, just Paul, Timothy, Silas, now are all together. They are heading down to Thessalonica, and they share the gospel in the synagogue there. I'll read two verses, Acts 17, 4 through 5. It says this, uh, Some of the Jews uh, pers- uh, persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. By the way, who do you think stirred up the mob, really? Okay, you guys are weak. Was anybody here last week, right? I mean, like, come on, what, what, who stirred them up? We said, anytime you see that stirring up, probably the enemy is behind it, right? The devil's behind it. So you see, here's what happens, right? They go down, they share the gospel in Thessalonica, and what happens? A large number of people believe. Large number, probably dozens, maybe hundreds of people, which is a, that's a big deal in this era. Large number of people believe. But, the enemy stirs up trouble, and so they have to leave, and they go on to Berea. And that's what we, we find next. Jumping to verse 10, says this. It says, As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of, of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, what does that say? Many of them believed as did also a number of prominent Greeks, uh, Greek women and Greek men. Uh, so again, in Berea, many people believed. It was a fruitful season. Dozens, probably hundreds of people come to know Christ in this area too. Churches get started. God is moving, right? And it's easy to look at this and say, oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's moving. When we see numbers and we see big things happening, it's really easy for us to say, that is the Holy Spirit. That is God. But when it's not such a fruitful season, it's easy to look at that and say, I don't know. I don't think that's really God. But here's what I want you to see. Because here... Because again, a mob comes down from Thessalonica, they come to Berea, they stir up the crowd, and so Paul once again has to flee, and they go to Athens. And I want you just to look at what happens when they're in Athens. Verse 16 says this, While Paul was waiting for his companions in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Athens in that day was about 250,000 people, and it is said that there were more idols, more false gods than people in Athens. 
And so, in fact, if you walk through the streets, you would have, like, on the sidewalks or whatever, you'd have to, like, actually squeeze through to try and get to the street because there were so many idols. There were idols that were out in public places, statues. There were, there were idols that people had in their homes. They would worship dozens, if not hundreds, of gods. Right? There were thousands in the city. But they would, each individual person would worship significant every time you hear this by the way and think of idols like this i want you to think spiritual stronghold because that's exactly what's happening here they were consumed by worshiping idols by worshiping false gods and so paul's concerned when he sees them worshiping these other gods and so he decides to bring the gospel he preaches the gospel here and what happens uh verse 32 says this, it says, uh, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on the subject. Verse 33, at that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was, uh, I can't say that name, Dionysus, uh, a member of the Arapagos, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. What's interesting is there's actually a unique Greek word that gets used here, uh, which uh, typically I don't think of, but it's actually a lot clearer in Greek than it is in English because the word used when it says um, a number of others means four or less. <laughs> it means four or less. So a number of others. Yeah, well, they're like a couple others is kind of what they're saying. It means, uh, I just thought that was interesting as you look at this progression because you're looking at... You know, the same spirit in all his power leads Paul to Thessalonica. And right, what do we see? We see tremendous kinds of fruit. He leads them to Berea and they see all kinds of people come to know Christ. And that same spirit leads them to Athens and they see more people come to know Jesus, right? They, and and I, I just look at that and I step back and I think, man, is the Holy Spirit predictable? No, not at all, right? Is this, would this have been a great strategic move? We just say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we just say to Paul and Silas, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you in prison and put you on the path of prison to reach one family. If, if, if this is a, if this is a democracy, I think all of us would have voted and said, no, <laughs> sign somebody else up for that. I'm not going. Or, or here, to, to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you on this missionary journey. I'm gonna send you to this town and you're gonna preach and you're gonna invest your time there. You're gonna risk your life. And four people at most are going to come to know Christ. Is, is that worth it? You know, it's, it's not, it may not be strategic, but it's the clear leading of the Holy Spirit. He did what he was asked to do. Now, I do have to say there's probably some, some stuff we could talk about here about a spiritual stronghold, about a city whose identity, right, is centered around worshiping other gods who have done this for generation after generation after generation. Is it a surprise that when the gospel comes, most people are hardened to it? It's probably not a surprise. But but God gives them an opportunity anyway, right? It says, I want, even for four people, I'm going to bring the message of the gospel. I'm going to, I'm going to fill you with power from on high. I'm going to send you out to be my witness in Athens. Even if only one or two or three or four people believe, it's worth it. All right. Sometimes there will be big moments, right? Sometimes we see God and the Holy Spirit work in big, impactful ways. And sometimes he calls us to suffer and to take risks to reach only one family, or in this case, four people. It doesn't really matter because our job isn't to be the brains of the operation. Our job is to follow where he leads. Our job is to do what he asks us to do, to lay down our will, to surrender, to take up our cross and follow the, reason, the risen Jesus in the power of his spirit. One more section and we'll be done for the day. Acts 18 is where we're going to go next. 
says this, after this, Paul uh, left Athens and he went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy and his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, the emperor, had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Uh, Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And again, there's a mixed bag of reaction here. Some people believe, but there's also some that are stirred up against them. Jumping to verse 7, it says, Then Paul left the synagogue, and he went next door to the house of uh, Titus, Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, uh, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who had heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. And so Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Now think about that, 18 months out of a three-year missionary journey. It's a, it's a significant investment. One of the cool fruits that come out of this is certainly there's a church uh, that, that is raised up here. They have some serious battling to do. There's also some idols there. Uh, and we read about some of the problems in First and Second Corinthians, right? There's all kinds that, that arise. Uh, but, but one of the cool things that comes out of it, other than seeing a church formed and some believers raised up there, is Paul ends up spending time with and investing in Priscilla and Aquila. And uh, we see them, they become kind of a powerhouse in the early church, a powerhouse, in fact, in the church planting movement to reach non-Jewish people uh, around, well, really throughout the Roman Empire, eventually. They were referenced a bunch of different places in Scripture. One of them, I just want you to get the significance of their role. I want you to read this from, uh, with me from Romans. Uh, it talks about Priscilla and Aquila, Paul's writing, and he says this. He says, go to the next Scripture if you would, yeah. It says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only uh, I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their home, in their house. I mean, isn't that cool? It's an amazing picture. Friendship, partnership, discipleship, multiplication. Those kinds of relationships stem from their time in Corinth. All because the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to stay there for 18 months and he ended up investing in and discipling them. And they end up leading a significant part of the church planting movement in their day. Acts 18, 19 through 22. This is uh, where the journey wraps up. It says, they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He left them there ministering to the church there. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. Listen to this. But he, as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is the Lord's will. Now, can I just say, this is what I'm talking about today, right? Being receptive and led by the Holy Spirit. He's not saying, oh yeah, I'm going to make these plans. I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. He says, no, I'll come back if it's the Lord's will. He's saying, I am led by and directed by and under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I follow where he goes. I, it's my desire. I would like to come back to you. And if it's God's will, I will be here. But I, but he's the one calling the shots. You see the difference? It's, it's an interesting way to end this. He says, uh, I will come back if it's God's will. And he set sail for Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he uh, went up to Jerusalem, greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch, which is where he started the end of the second missionary journey. A 3,000-mile journey took three years, guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The church spreads throughout the Roman Empire as a result, and the world is transformed. 
It's an amazing journey. And the challenge, again, I think for me and for us, is to ask the question, am I being led by the Holy Spirit like that? Am I willing to let the Holy Spirit interrupt my plans so that His purposes and His plans can prevail? Am I willing to follow the Holy Spirit even when it costs me, even when it doesn't make sense? When the fruit might be small but important, am I willing to surrender my will so that His will and His kingdom plans can be realized in my life, in my neighborhood, in my church, in my city, and beyond? I was thinking about the words of Jesus this week in John 3, uh, where he, he talks about the Holy Spirit this way. He says, the wind, go, go to that next slide if you would. It says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. He says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And I think that's pretty cool. He, again, he's talking about there's an appropriate leadership, right? He's saying you know, our lives are not our own. From the time we step up as Christ followers and open up our hearts and lives to Christ and say, God, I am yours. He's saying the spirit is going to take you on a journey like you can't imagine. And I'm not talking about person, because sometimes people that have a, a more flighty sort of personality, if I can say that, <laughs> like will use us and say, see, it doesn't matter. I don't have to plan. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to go and do whatever I want. But see, that's not what he's saying, right? He's not saying I'm going to go do what I want. He's saying, no, I'm going to go and do whatever God wants. And you just never know where that might take you. You just have no idea the good plans that God has in store for you. If you and I would be willing to say, God, I'm in. I'm in. Would you fill me with power from on high? Would you use me to be your witness? Would you use me to see your kingdom come and your will be done? The answer is yes. What's the question? <laughs> the answer is yes. Where are you taking me today? What plans do you, you can interrupt me. Got to give you permission. Interrupt me. Bust into my life. Again, have your way in me. Imagine what God would do with a church full of people like that. You think Peoria would look different? You think Washington would look different? You think Pekin would look different? Dunlap would look different? Imagine what God would do. I wonder if this week, if you would be willing to open up your eyes and to take that kind of step and say, God, I'm in. I am yours. Now, I'll battle you sometimes. I know that, right? I'll battle you because I'm a control freak. I'll battle. But, but at the end of the day, I wanna, I'm going to submit myself to you. And with your help, I want to follow. I want it to be simple, right? I want to follow where you lead. I want to... Speak the words of God. I want to do the works of God and I want to see the kingdom of God come in all of its fullness. Would you be willing to do that this week? The application we've been talking about for four weeks, we said, man, would you open up God's word and would you start reading through the book of Acts? If you've, if you've read all the way through it, a little gold star next to your name, right? Good way to go. If you're not quite through it yet, or if you're like, I haven't even started, that's okay. Why don't you open up this week? Would you take a chapter a day and just start reading through the book of Acts again, learning? Cause I think it'll, it'll challenge us. It'll stretch us on what the Holy Spirit can, can do and wants to do in your life. Why not take a shot at it, right? Kind of open it up, read it, listen for the promptings of the Holy Spirit as you read through. Second one we've been saying, would you, would you be willing to pray uh, again just on a, on a regular, a daily basis and just say, God, I'm yours. Would you fill me with your power? Would you send me out? Use me as your witness. Would you lead me and guide me and direct me? And with your help, I want to follow. Third one we said, would you, would you look for opportunities and take them as, as the Holy Spirit prompts you? Would you take opportunities to be his witnesses, to say a word for Jesus? Maybe just, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a 
you know, full-on Bible study, although God might prompt you to do that, but you don't have to necessarily say, thus saith the Lord, and do this whole thing. It could just say, you know what? When somebody's going through a hard time, say, you know, you know what I do uh, when I'm going through a rough season? Is I look to God. I pray He's really transformed my life, and I encourage you to do this. I mean, it could just be speaking about what God has done in you. Ways that He's speaking to you. Ways that His Word applies to you. What, you you know, so just, just, just pointing them back to Jesus. It could just be a word or two. It just says, man, he's, he's so good. Why don't you pray? Why, can I just pray for you right now? Just look for ways that you can be a witness. Because like we said, remember, right? The Holy Spirit is still directing you individually, specifically throughout your days with your neighbors and your core. He has plans for you with the people that you interact with. If you listen and obey, he'll give you opportunities to step out and be a witness for Jesus to see his kingdom come and his will be done. And the, the last one we said is just keep your eyes open, eyes open, right? Just to see how is the Holy Spirit working? What's he saying to you? How is he speaking? How is he directing? What opportunities has he given you? Next week, again, we're going to have some, I'm going to give you some time that you can share at the beginning. So come ready, right? I'm giving you introverts, especially opportunity to think about it ahead of time. You can journal it out and be thinking, look for opportunities this week. How is the Holy Spirit at work? Because he is. How's the Holy Spirit at work and how, and what opportunities is he giving you? And, and then, you know, just pray for boldness for us that we would step out and follow and obey. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, that you are a God that is active, that is at work, that is speaking and leading and healing still. A God that is, that is bringing his kingdom in power, whose word is still moving forward, who, who interrupts our lives for the sake of one sometimes, or for the sake just to, just to share or to impact or to serve or to minister to even just one person. Lord, we want to be those kind of people. So would you come and fill us with your power? Would you lead us and guide us? Would you give us boldness and courage? Open our ears to hear the promptings of your spirit and give us boldness to follow and obey. We are yours, God. We love you. We need you. We lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God has good plans in store for us this week. And so would encourage you just to step into those plans. Well, we are going to, uh, we've got one final song. It's called Mighty Warrior. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? We're going to sing that here in just a second. Um, but just a reminder as well, uh, just two things. One is offering, right? This is the time of the service. We typically receive our offerings. And so we encourage you to be continue to be giving to the Lord your tithes and offerings as a way to move the mission of Jesus forward here in and through Ignite Church. would encourage you to do that. But also, this is the last week of our compassion offering that we usually take for our compassion fund, which we only do it once a year. And we say, hey, if, if God has given you a little extra, would you be willing to share that so that we, we as a church can share it with people that are in need? We share every year. We share with dozens and dozens sometimes even hundreds of people in our region that are going through significant financial hardship that have lost a job or can't buy groceries or having a hard time with a bill we do we are generous as a as a church family so that we can serve and minister to people that need it and so we encourage you to do that again kind of above and beyond your regular giving if, if you didn't come prepared to do that today you can still do it on the app this week you can take an envelope home with you and throw it in next week if you need uh, but we would really encourage you just to be prayerfully considering what what can i do god and listen to the holy spirit on that because he'll guide you in that realm of your life as well all right, well, this last song is just an encouragement. It's called Mighty Warrior. 
And uh, yeah, let's just sing this together. Call us out from the depths Into your freedom Our chains are gone No weapon form shall prevail Your word is stronger We overcome Your glory resounds through the age All saints declaring your great renown Your kingdom forever will stand We won't be shaken, we will not fear Our God, our God, a mighty warrior You're a consuming fire In victory you reign we triumph in your name, Jesus, the great commander. You conquered death forever. In victory you reign. We triumph in your name. Your glory resounds through the age. All saints declaring. Your great renown, your kingdom forever will stand. We won't be shaken, we will not fear our God. Our God, a mighty warrior, you're a consuming fire. In victory you reign, we triumph in your name. Jesus, the great commander, you conquer death forever. In victory you reign, we triumph in your name. Here we go, And we declare your name is power. Exalted one, your name is higher. You stand alone, a strong defender. Above you there's no other, above you there's no other. And we declare your name is power. Exalted one, your name is higher. You stand alone, a strong defender. Above you there's no other. Consuming fire 
All right. Thanks so much for coming and joining us this morning. I invite you to stick around, grab a cup of coffee, and chat with some others, if you will. And uh, otherwise, we will see you back next week. Have a great week.